Hey, this is Jeremy. You're listening to the Negotiating Life Podcast. And today I'm doing something a little different. My friend Jamil and I are going to have a real conversation about what's going on in society today. So hope you enjoy. We are, we're actually really excited to be here. I think I speak on behalf of both Jeremy and myself that we don't really know how this is going to go. Um, I think it's interesting that we talk about kind of how we got here and the conversations that we're having um, behind screen. Um, but, but you know, we wanted to get together and just have open dialogue. And I feel like a lot of people are kind of doing that these days. Um, but we also wanted to, you know, see if we can come up with some sort of a solution as well. So <clears throat> I feel like this is going to kind of be shared in a lot of places. So I just want to introduce myself. My name is Jamil Frazier. I live in Southern California. Um, I'm a dad. I'm, I'm a husband. I am um, a certified health coach, um, um, author, uh, so kind of have my hands in a lot of different things. And, you know, it's been really interesting year all around. And I think the past probably four weeks has, has even taken it to a whole new level. And I thought it would be good to invite a whole bunch of folks on just to be part of a conversation. I think there's a lot of people and a lot of people are a lot of things on a lot of people's minds. I know I've been asked to do probably like 20 different podcasts. Many of them I said no, just because I, I don't know. You know, I don't know how to feel sometimes. I don't know what to say sometimes. I like to hide when it comes to things like this and maybe we'll get into why. Um, and so, um, but here we are. And I want you guys to, um, uh, to get to know Jeremy a little bit. So Jeremy, you want to introduce yourself and yeah. let these guys know who you are? Yeah. So my name is Jeremy and um, I, I want to start by those of you guys who are, are watching. I, I did say um, to Jamil that I'm honored first to be able to have this conversation, obviously, um, but I'm also honored that if you know Jamil, he recently has chosen to take my hairstyle. So I, I feel like that, like that's a real compliment. So I'm honored for that too. But I am also from Southern California. Um, we don't live in the same town, but we live pretty close. And um, I'm a dad of two boys, married to the woman of my dreams. I was a pastor for 14 years. I'm also a, I've been a speaker. Um, I'm, a, I'm a certified coach as well. And I am also in law enforcement. I am a cop and have been for almost a decade now. And so that's a little bit about me. That's, that's where I come from. Um, I chose, it's actually a second career for me. A lot of people don't know that who know me. It's a second career for me. I, I went into law enforcement. I was one of the oldest guys in my academy. Um, like I really was, there was like one other guy that was older than me and Let's just be honest. He didn't make it. So there, um, I was, <laughs> I'm the oldest one left from my academy, I guess. And that actually made it through the whole process. I chose to go into law enforcement. Honestly, Jamil, I think I've shared this with you, like, cause I really wanted to make a difference. And, um, so mm -hmm. it was, it was a scary step. Um, but it was a, it was a great step for me. And like you, this year obviously has had all kinds of ups and downs as it relates to my career in law enforcement it has changed uh, my 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 role as a as a peace officer has changed dramatically even in the last in the last three months. Um, I w I've gone from being a street cop um, to being um, a traffic investigator, so doing collisions and DUIs, um, and then to being a, a security planner, so like um, for large scale events where where people are where big threats can take place. I was the threat assessment and security planner for those types for concerts and fairs and festivals. And also I'm a hostage and crisis negotiator. And so I've gotten to do that. And then in the last, because of COVID and, and all the things that have taken place with that, my role has completely changed. And I have gone from working my way up the ladder to right, right back mm. to the street. So I've been in the streets now for the last month, month and a half. Well, ever since COVID. So I guess two months now almost. So I think it's good for um, for the listeners to kind of know how we got here. 
and I'll kind of tell my version and then you tell yours, how yeah. you and I got to even start talking about this. So, you know, once, um, and we, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of my background, but once, once, um, once everything sort of kicked off, uh, everyone and everyone saw the video of Mr. Floyd. And I think, um, I think the majority of people were rocked. And, um, and I know that, you know, I, I, I cried every morning and every night um, after watching the video. And a lot of it was just, um, gosh, like I had sort of lost faith in humanity a little bit. Um, and that always breaks my heart because I'm such a people person. Like I just, I just love people. And, um, and naturally when, when situations kind of turn like that, and it's so funny because I, I, I write about, uh, 1992, uh, um, Rodney King in, in one of my books in the 12 shifts and, and all the fear that I had from that as a little boy and, and growing up in the city to where all my classmates look like you, Jeremy, I've pretty much had like four or five, uh, black kids in my school. And so now being um, seeing news and everything with um, this, you know, what sort of could have looked like uh, deep oppression, but then going to a school to where all my friends sort of look like you, there was this weird dissonance. And it felt like I almost had to choose sides. Mm. You know, what, what team, what team was I playing for? And so when this happened again, it sort of it felt that way again, like it's time for you to pick sides, man, what, what, what team are you going to be on? And, um, obviously knowing you and, uh, and having great respect for your wife and seeing, you know, things that she was posting on social media and just feeling like how difficult that must've been for her, um, having, you know, her husband go out there in the streets now. And, but I was like, should I comment on her post to like, like say like in support of her but i can't do that because and so i just stay you know neutral but i always wanted to reach out uh to Lindsay and to you and then all of a sudden i got um, a message from you saying hey man i haven't basically slept in quite some time but you know i was thinking about you how are you doing and i was like oh my gosh i was i was thinking about you too but you know so it was just this and then we started talking and it was like gosh you know so so what's going on how are you feeling can you help me understand same thing what's going on how are you feeling can you help me understand we got on then we're like well why don't we just have a conversation about it yeah and so I thought that it was um it was really poignant and I thought you know and I and I put the title out there as kind of like um as as this headline right white cop black man um and um, and I think oftentimes when we put titles out there right away, it brings almost like this division. So I almost wanted to do like a play on words um, because I really am about unity and I feel like you are too. So that's why I thought it was going to be really good. And I, and I believe that both of us are, have a lot of emotional intelligence. So I thought it would be a good conversation. What was kind of your perspective? Well, I think I, I remember sending you that message um... And it came after here we had a fairly large, um, a fairly large protest that ended up in, in. I guess the media would call it the looting and riot, and and um, a couple banks were burned, and and some things that had happened there, and I happened to have been sent out to that protest that evening, and I was I was there and had had been when I said I'd been up all night. I'd, I think I'd been up for a couple of days cause we were, we were working 12 hours on 12 hours off, no breaks just because of the, just because of the situation and, and all that was going on and, and is going on. And, um, I think I shared with you, like I've gone from feeling very angry, um, to feeling very sad. And, um, and then I had a, I had an encounter with someone online and it was a positive encounter, which is always great. And it just, it, it led to massive empathy, um, was the best mm. way. And, and instead of just seeing me, cause I was angry because of what was happening to me is how I perceived it. 
this is happening to me. And, um, and while I don't really want to go through what I went through that night again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, not throwing my name in the hat is like, pick me, pick me that, but, but I now look at it and say that really didn't happen to me, but it'll, it, it did happen for me. And, and it happened for me to, to gain some empathy. And so after an encounter with one person, you, you, um, you didn't show up in my feed. You, you really did come to my mind. And, and I thought, here's a guy I respect. Here's a guy I really look up to. Um, and I just wonder how he's doing. I just, I, I, hmm. and because I've been so focused on how I'm doing that, um, that I felt like I missed what, how some of my friends were doing. And so that's why I reached out to you and just said, dude, I'm thinking about you. And, and, and I don't remember what my whole message was to you, but it, it led to us going, I, I bet there's a whole lot of other people that need to have this kind of conversation. And, and sure. I, I shared the other day with my sister, actually, I shared with her in, in, in crisis negotiations and in hostage negotiations, there's a kind of a series of things that take place during the negotiation. And the first hour it's not always an hour. I've, I've been on them where it's three hours, but the first part of the negotiation, let's say someone's held up and, and they're in a really bad spot. Let's, you know, whatever, whether they're, whether they're barricaded in a home or, or they're suicidal, they're just in a really, it's a, it's a, it's a bad spot. There's a lot of emotion running high. They call it the screw you hour. They don't call it that, but I'm going to use, there might be kids on. And and no matter what happens, there's a lot of yelling. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fresh, there's frustration. There's a lot of frustration. And what they teach you as a negotiator is you can stay in that for multiple, multiple hours until, until somebody stops, stops yelling and starts listening. So that's why a lot of times you'll see, I, I jokingly say the difference between a negotiator and a, and a street cop is the street cop will yell, put down the gun, put down the gun, put down the gun. And the negotiator will stop and ask, sir, can you tell me why you have the gun? Because there's a difference right. in yelling and listening. And that, I felt like for me, I was the guy caught up in that screw you hour because I was so mad. I was so mad. And and then the next phase is the is the listening part of the negotiation. And I, I said, I got to get to that. I want to start listening. I want to start learning. And so that's why I reached out to you. And and I just so wanted- I, I guess I guess um, maybe talk a little bit about why were you so mad? OK. Um, I was I was angry. Well, that night um, when I went out, I was angry at a couple things. Um, number one, I was angry at my own circumstance. I, I didn't, I, I, like I said, I've worked my way off the streets. I didn't really want to be back on the streets. And here I was not only on the streets, but I've been to protests before. And I've been, I've been to riots before. I've been to both kinds of things. One of the things I help plan security for are large rallies and, 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 and freedom of speech rallies. And so I plan security for those things. So I do that still to this day, but I hadn't been on the line, if you will. And so I was angry that I had to be on the line. Um, but I was at a fairly large, um, a fairly large riot years ago. And um, going back out... I just, I was mad. Why me? Why do I have to do this? To be honest with you, that's why. I mean, yeah, I signed up for it and I, and I wear the badge, which is why I didn't complain, but internally I was angry. And then once we got out there um, and we were, we were holding the line, I mean, I, I obviously heard things that were said about me, that were said about my family who people didn't know. And you, you know, that's part of this job. It comes with this job. Um, not just not just during, during these times, but just most of the time, let's be honest. What, what do we say about police? And I am one, but we say it like, they're always there when you don't want them there. Right. When you ran that stop sign and they're never there when you do. So I'm often there at the times that people don't want me there. And so I've heard mm-hmm. the words before, right. I've heard those things before, but hearing them for the 12 hours that I stood on my feet while I was standing outside of a building that was being torched and, and, and burning that made me angry. Taking bricks, I took bricks to my head that night. Uh, I was thankful that I wasn't one of the guys that got injured. My partner, who was right behind me, he got injured. I was angry about that. I was I was angry about people assuming something of me because of what I wore. At the end of the day, that's why I was angry, Jamil. I was angry because people assumed something of me 
because of what I wore. And, Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just say this early. I'll say it now. What has changed in me is that, yeah, I got missed. I got missed on that Sunday night or that Saturday night. I got missed. I only was, the only thing that people saw of me was a badge. And, um, and I came home and I crashed and I've, I've had a lot of, I still had a lot of angry moments and, um, I cry for no reason sometime right now. Right. Um, um, but what I did recognize through conversations with you, with my buddy Tramel, with, um, this, this wonderful woman who I met on Instagram. And then we've had conversations, um, is number one, I can walk into a store without my badge on and nobody knows what I do for a living. Right. And that is a privilege I have. I can take off my uniform and people will treat me like Jeremy, not like cop. And, and I think I said this to you, you can't, you, you don't have, you can't just, and you shouldn't have to. And I think that's where the empathy for me has really come is I don't want you to take off your skin color. I don't want you to change who you are and, and you shouldn't have to. And I think that's where I, I realized there was a moment that I turned and, but, but I was angry in the moment because I'm like, you're mad. You don't even know. I'm actually a good cop. I'm a really good cop. I did this because I want to make a difference. I've had best conversations in the back of my, all these things. I wanted every one of them to know every single person who's yelling. I'm like, you're yelling sure. at somebody who's got, I've got your back. I'm on your side. I did it. <laughs> but, but in, it doesn't matter if we can't look past my badge, we'll never have that conversation anyways. And I think what I'm wondering is, and I and I feel like I kind of know the answer, but I, I feel like what we're doing and probably will continue to do, uh, these series of conversations are going to go out to other places. Um, so, so, so why then, you know, why, why are you, how can you be at a place of deep, profound anger and then allow yourself to move to a place of openness and, and a commitment to understanding why and how? Well, I think the empathy is the reason why, because like, was that, cause I can move. Well, the reason, because when I, when I had that aha, that epiphany of, um, of like, well, shoot, I'll just take off the, I'll just quit my job and then I don't have to deal with this anymore. And then suddenly it clicked to me. Oh, but Jamil can't do that. He can't just not deal with this anymore. So then I suddenly felt the, the reason that I wanted to reach out, the reason I want to have conversation and keep having conversations is because I believe that change only comes from conversations. And the reason why I, I want that is I feel like that is where the privilege comes in. So privilege equals responsibility for me. And so I've gone from a place, the reason why is I feel like it's my responsibility to fight for other people to not have to take off whatever and to become something other than they are. And, and so that's where this all started. That's why, that's why, because when I had that moment, I took off and I'm like, I'm never going back. I'm not doing this. Oh, but there's other people that can't. And because of that, I have to do something. So whether it's with the badge or without the badge, I have to do something. And I, and I have to, I have to empathize with people who have been treated horribly, not, not just in this generation, but for, I think I share with you, like, we're not that far removed from where it was okay to treat people like this. And, and so that's why, and then how all I knew to do was to call you. All I knew to do was to message you. Cause I don't know how that's part of the reason I'm, I'm, you know, we joked around about like, when we first started like, Oh man, there's me some people like, what are people going to think? And I said to you, I said, well, dude, you're lucky. I have, I, no, I have zero friends because in, I'm a cop. There isn't, it does, it has nothing to do with the color of my skin. It has to do with the badge I wear. And I got no friends on either side right now. Um, so I don't know how other than to have the conversation and to be different, right. how, how to, to be different within the badge to be different and have the conversations at work, to have the conversations, which I've done, which were scary to have for me. Um, but that's, that's how, 
Let me ask you a question, if I can. Um, you shared with sure. me something. You know, you know, I'm good at this whole question asking. Yeah, thing. I'm going to turn the table, dude. It's not that fair. Forever. It's not fair. <laughs> but before I do, did that answer? Did that answer your question of why I, I? Yeah, it did. Um, you shared with me something that has really stuck with me, and you said I have trust for, I have trust for any person. I think you even mentioned you have a family member that was in law enforcement and, mm -hmm. and you said, but something happens when, when they put on their uniform, the trust, trust level for you goes down. Um, and so as it relates to how do I, how do I make a difference and how do I start to change that? And how do I, how do I do this now? Um, my first question is, can you explain can you explain that a little bit of like, why all of a sudden does the, does the trust level go down for you? You know me, but if you saw me in my badge, I personalized it. You didn't use me as the example, but I'll use me as the example. You, if you saw me in my uniform, your trust quotient for me would go down. So number one, explain that. And then number two, how do I, how do we in law enforcement help it go up? Mm -hmm. or at least stay, or at mm -hmm. least stay the same regardless. I think I understand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think, um, obviously, um, I think much of our reality can be shaped by, um, our early years, you know, our, our, our formative years, um, things that we've experienced, things that we've seen, things that we've been told, things that we've sort of been conditioned, um, um, traits, habits, things to watch out for. Like I have conversations with my, my oldest son now, he's nine years old, that it's, it, they're going to shape him to the time he's, you know, 39 like me now um, because of these lessons. One of the lessons I learned early on was to be extremely cautious of police officers, extremely cautious. And, and, um, and, you know, it's funny because Amanda and I, my wife and I have been having conversations and her father, who was here yesterday for Father's Day, and we were in a hot tub talking about these things. He's uh, ex-LAPD. And so we were having some, you know, beautiful conversations down in a hot tub yesterday. Um, but I've just, I've just always known to have a watchful eye um, of, um, of law enforcement. And, um, and then of and then naturally, uh, conversations with my mother and my father led to this, but the images that we see uh, on uh, media, uh, images that we see from historical events, sort of um, um, throw a fire on that as well and makes it even more real. Um, and, um, and so I've just, I've always been watchful. Always, even even uh, was yesterday. I was uh, driving here in the canyons, and there was a there was a a, a a parole car, and I'm I'm just I'm watching and waiting. I'm curious, and and so I I say what I what I said to you um, was the absolute truth. I have so many friends, and obviously family members, and. And for me, and it's funny because when you and I start talking, we are really, I was like, dude, I'm not the voice of black people. You're like, I'm not the voice of all police officers. And so for me, you know, I've just, uh, it, it doesn't matter if there's a black cop or a white cop. I am super skeptical of you if you are wearing a uniform. And I feel like the uniform trumps the individual. Um, meaning that there's almost like this code of conduct. There's this, uh, this culture almost. And I feel like the culture is bigger than individual. And even if the individual wants to do right, um, and this is just my historical feelings about it, even if the individual wants to do right, I feel like the culture uh, makes it difficult do so. And um, yesterday, I, uh, I was talking to my father-in-law, and we were just talking about um, um, following your intuition. And he was telling me, and he goes, you know, it's just, it's just something about, you know, your intuition. And I go, okay. And, and so I'm, 
I was talking to him about spotting rattlesnakes. You know, it's just some hey, my intuition, but I'm walking around, snake's gonna be right there. And then he says, I've always kind of had it, you know, even even when I was uh, on uh, street parole and I would drive, you know, I'd be driving and I would do a U-turn and my uh, partner would say, well, what are you doing? He says, well, I, I saw something. He says, what'd you see? And he says, I saw guys, you know, sit straight up. And he goes, I'm following my, my intuition. And he says, uh, well, we don't have proper, probable cause to pull him over. He says, well, we'll just find one. That's the sort of thing that I'm talking about. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> and so those are the sort of things that me, and I'm just speaking for Jamil, have always been curious about. And so outside of uniform, yeah, like let's dap it up, let's hug, let's, let's do all that. Um, because I know, you know, Jeremy's going to be Jeremy. He's going to be the man of integrity and values and high moral compass and all these things. Inside of uniform might be a little bit harder to do that. Jeremy might want to do those things, but Jeremy may need to be hush-hush on some things or might need to stand to the side while some things aren't really going well. And Jeremy may know that man, there's a union behind me and in a system that kind of got my back a little bit. And so even if things don't go, you know, the way they're supposed to, then, mm, you know, I may not have to face the sort of um, 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 charges that, you know, a normal individual might. And so for me, in my 39 years of being alive, I have just been very, like, watchful okay and i and i can see that when you just that example you gave totally can can see that it's so hard for me is it <laughs> it is i'm just being honest man it's why why um because i'm not that guy yeah and yeah. so, and, and I'm not saying that there aren't those guys. I, I, and I, and, and I actually, I know that there are, I think what's, so I go, how do I, so how do I help the hope level go up that there's more of me than there are of that? And you know, what's so interesting about this conversation is there's, there's a parallel for, for me. So when you say I'm not that guy and how do I help the hope level go up? This is what I think about, but like, this is what really drives me is I'm not that guy. Like I'm not the statistic or I'm not the black dude that you might need to be afraid of, or I'm not that guy who's going to come and be a little bit rowdy. So like I, I go extra hard to show that, that like we're okay. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like I'm hearing you on the other side saying like, no, no, but that's, that's me because like, I got a high moral compass. I'm a good guy. I'm a family man. Like I'm really doing this because I want to support and help my community. So how do I build up this, this uh, trust equity? And then for me, I'm like, dude, I'm going to write books. I'm going to really go out there and, and like make it happen. I'm going to, you know what I mean? Because I want to show you that no, like, 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 no, dude, like we don't have to be nervous. We're okay. And so I feel like um, oftentimes we're speaking the same language, just about different things. Yeah. What is your, um, in all that you're seeing, um, you said earlier, like, I feel like you have to choose a side. I feel like, you know, like if I say something to support one thing or what, like there's like, cause there's, there is, there's a, I mean, thank, thank God for social media and also freaking social media, but there, there's, um, there is that, but what are your, what are your feelings as you've watched, um, people, people really rise. I feel like people rising up, um, in a big way. Um, I remember 92, I remember the Rodney King um, 
the, the trial. I remember the trial. I remember the protests and the rioting that happened in LA. And I, and I remember what I was told about it and what I was, I was, was told just be watch out for those looters. We, we didn't talk about, and I was down here. I was South of, of, I was down in San Diego and we weren't even there. And it's like, Oh, they're coming South. Watch out for the looters. Like that's the only thing we really heard about. You didn't hear the discussion about, well, what about these four guys who didn't get convicted when they, when they should have been. And we, and, sure. and, and so I, for me, I look at this and I go, Oh, there's, there's something different about this time. I, that's my hope. There's something different about this. And to be honest with you, before this, I was extremely uneducated about your experience, about people's experience, people of color's experience. Um, and even to the point where I had a conversation at work and, and I was way educated with, with one of my partners. Um, but what is your, um, what is your, yeah, like, I, what are you I, feeling? I, I, was, I was just going to say, and, and I'll tell you what my experience is, but I love that conversation that you have with your partner. And I think it'd be really neat to maybe, I don't even know if we can go there, but I think if we can just do cool it very to, generally, we can go there very generally. <laughs> I just want and to we don't that. even and we don't even have to we could just dive into and I think that well I'll I'll, I'll figure out a way for us to share it but um what if what tell me though like what are you what are you thinking this time do you feel do, like are you hopeful that this is going to bring about change like honestly what are you or would you think this is the beginning towards real change what are your thoughts mm-hmm. mm. I've been wrestling with this I really have been. Um, I, I, um, hmm. you know, it's been, um, it's been a bit emotional. Um, it's, 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 it's brought it's brought a certain level of awareness. I think um, many of my friends have been, um, have expressed that many of my friends who are not black or maybe not people of color have expressed a newer awareness. Um, and if you were to ask me, well, how do, what do I feel about that? I mean, I feel like, I feel like, well, I, I guess that's good, you know? Um, I really, I really don't know. You know, I feel like, okay, this, this, <laughs> This is, this is how I feel. And I've really been trying to figure out what do I feel? Um, because is, is there extreme racism? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've encountered it myself. Um, I've, I've been, I've lived through it. I mean, I'm so acutely aware. I think what we were talking about of just environments and situations and who I'm around and is there too much alcohol that's going on right now? Is there a tendency with this person? It's almost like it's almost like this this extra instinct um, that I've lived with my whole life to kind of know what's what's really going on. You know what's really going on. Um, I'm. I'm always acutely aware of where I'm going. Um, I've been with, I've been asked to come speak at different places and I have not wanted to go there. It's been interesting because several people last year got upset with me because I didn't travel to certain places to go and speak. Um, and those same folks have, have messaged me over the past couple of weeks and saying, I think I understand why now you just didn't say it, but I think I know why. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's kind of why. Um, and so, um, and so, you know, I, I was asked to go and, and, and speak out in, um, Charleston, South 
Aaron Lyon out. I was really hesitant, man, but I felt impressed to go and do so. Um, it's maybe about a year or two ago, and 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 I had asked the person, you know, I, I said, hey, you know, it, it's cool for me to go there. She was like, yeah. And I was like, no, is it like cool for me to go there? Because because I'm black. And she <laughs> and uh, she was like, oh, what an odd question. And now she texts me. She goes, I understand, and I'm so sorry for <laughs> for not being understanding of what you were actually saying and just so happens that as soon as I got into town there was an incident so there's so yes man like there's 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 racism there's prejudices there's biases there's like there's all these things is it important to have more of an awareness yes is it important to have um you know um 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 equality Yes, is it important to treat people like human beings? Absolutely. Um, and so, if that's if that's what we're talking about, and if that's what we are, you know, um, protesting for, then then great. Like, let's protest for awareness and and for um, and um, and inclusion and equality and things like that. Um, so that's that's me on on one side. On the other side, when you and I uh, may have gotten into, you know, I I personally, um, you know, I don't feel like a victim, and um, and that's not something that when I go and train and I coach and I speak and I just think about my own life, um, um, when I did sort of feel like a victim and lived in victim mentality. Man, I was not fulfilled. You know, I, I just wasn't. And I tried to be, but I wasn't. And the moment that I learned that um, uh, to sort of accept a different messaging about myself, uh, man, that's, that's when I started trending towards, you know, a great fulfillment. And I get nervous sometimes. Um, so as you speak to, you know, folks in your precinct, and as you listen and you have conversations, I, I try to do that a lot as well, um, and I try to do it from the standpoint of I'm I'm nervous from some of the messaging, I'm nervous from some of the images, I'm nervous for some of uh, my black brothers and sisters, I'm nervous for a lot of folks that I'm nervous of of what the the messages about and the images are about as well, because I, I, I don't think that it's helpful and or fruitful um, to um, to for anyone to come from a victim's mentality. I think that I think that that's more uh, oppressive than any system. Uh, can ever do is our own mindsets, and um, and so on one on one hand, I'm like, yeah, great, like you know, let's let's fight for you know inclusion and things like that. And on the other hand, I'm like, okay, well, is there a way to where you can do it to where everyone isn't feeling like um, a victim? And so that really uh, messes with me. I, I just have to be honest because I don't think that is helpful. And, um, and, and quite honestly, I, you know, there's this juxtaposition. I think you and I were talking and I was like, man, I kind of feel like I'm in the middle in a lot of things in my life. Um, you know, I, grew up in a family where there was Crips and there was Bloods. I grew up in a family where half my siblings were Christians, the other half were Muslim. I grew up in private school. I grew up in public school. Uh, I have obviously all black family, uh, but the majority of my schooling was in predominantly Caucasian neighborhoods. <laughs> um, you know, I have, I have been I grew up on the system. I grew up on benefits. I grew up on um, welfare. Um, I know 
I definitely know what it feels like to um, uh, to be poor. And I've been at a place to where um, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite of poor. Um, and so, you know, for me, I, I feel like I have many, I have a unique advantage of seeing many different sides. And, um, and I, I think that one of, this is what I, I caution um, individuals to do. It's what I caution corporations to do. It's what I caution um, states to do, <laughs> countries to do. Uh, I caution to, um, to constantly find um, a perpetrator, um, someone to blame. And I'm more about how can the individual uh, take care of it and, and start from there. And so I get really nervous when it's not like that because I have not, even historically speaking, certainly personally speaking, have not necessarily seen that be the answer for massive success. Um, so I'm, I'm still working it out. Yeah. And so I think my honest answer is, is, is I don't know. What I do know is no one should ever die like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, even given um, such a um, complex background mm -hmm. of the individual, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I'm so pro human beings. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so, right. um, but I think, I think also we have to be very watchful and mindful as to messaging and as to uh, media as well. And there's a certain cycle that tends to happen about every four years. And, um, and so we have to be cautious. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am, I am also pro-human and I agree with you that nobody should die the way, the way Mr. Floyd died. And, um, you had that, you saw it and, and you had your feelings and I saw it. I actually didn't even know about it. I heard about it and said, Hey, have you watched the news? Have you seen it? And I turned it on and I saw it and I didn't, I didn't see, um, I saw a bad cop. I saw a really bad person. Um, that's what I saw and where I, and I became frustrated and go another person making me, me look bad. Right. And so now I got to do everything right. I can. Like you said, I can't, I'm not going to be the victim of that guy whose name I, I've, I've chosen not to say, I'm not going to be a victim of, of him. Um, because I have to do what I can do as an individual to make it different and to be different. And where you have instincts, and I, and I was listening to you say what you said about um, about instincts about law enforcement. Um, I I think one of the things that does happen, and and again, I don't speak for all law enforcement, and I want to make sure that's really clear. I I, I don't speak for all cops. I speak for this one, right. and for me, I have had to work really hard because. Yes, there are instincts in law enforcement, but I actually don't believe, I actually don't even believe that's true. What I think you have is articulable experiences that your, that the, the hairs on the back of your neck go up when you start to see, when you start to relive an experience. Um, what, what I mean by that is like, I don't instinctually know that a person, when I pull somebody over um, as a, as a, as a cop and I'm pulling them over, I'll give an example. I pulled over somebody one time. And, um, I actually had a trainee in the car with me. So she pulled somebody over and I was there to, to, to help her. And as we walked up, the hairs on the back of my neck shot way up. Well, that doesn't fly in court. And so I had to train her that anyways, but I, you, you don't get to go like, well, your honor, 
I had tinglys. Like you, you don't get to say that in court. And, um, and, and so what I had to articulate was why were those hairs on the back of my neck and little things that he did, this individual that was actually in the passenger seat that he did. I didn't know he was even in the car until we got up there and we got up there and I saw and, and just little things that wouldn't look at me, wouldn't give me his name was his his leg was tapping really fast. I asked some very simple questions and he gave me some very interesting answers. What he did, what he did say, um, all of those things, they, they're all apart from each other. Guy not looking at me it happens all the time. People don't want to look at me. A guy not looking at me, pat and see all these things at the end of the day, when I, when I made the decision that, Hey, there's something going on here and my, I feel unsafe. There's something going on here. Um, that dude, sure enough, had a, had a gun that he had just tried to kill two people with, but it wasn't based. It can't ever be. And I think what starts to happen, and I, this is, this is what I, what I will say for me as a cop that I've had to really work hard on is, um, I have to make sure I'm safe, but at the same time, not every single sign is a sign. So not every, Mm. not every single thing I see is, is the reason to pull someone out of the car or to assume someone is a criminal or to, I've had to work really hard to do as a person because I could choose to be a victim of the circumstance, which is people don't like me and they want to hurt me in my job. If I get, happen to pull over the wrong person. So that for that reason, I'm treating everyone like they're bad. And I've had to really work hard to be like, what are you, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? What are you, artic- what can you articulate right now? And, and make the decision based on the, on all of those things, not little things because, well, the last guy that wouldn't look at me had a gun. So if you don't look at me, you must have a gun. And I think what happens for me in law enforcement is over time, if I'm not careful, I'll fall into that trap of everybody wants to hurt me. So I'm going to treat everybody like they want to hurt me. And yeah. And, and, and I have seen it and I gotta, I, I have to say that it has to be one of the hardest things I think um, that any, um, that any police officer, um, would have to do is get to that point to where it, I just, I'm just thinking about it and I'm like, man, that would be really hard for me to do year after year and not get to a point to where I have seen either an image or I've been in a courtroom or, I had an experience before, especially if the person um, looked a certain way, fit a certain profile, and then to not automatically come to this point to where I'm like, oh yeah, well, like already have made the case before I've even made the case. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, uh, one of the things, man, I've been... I've been journaling so much that I think probably like three or four books are going to come out of it. But one of the things that I've really been thinking about is how do we, how do we help more officers? Uh, Well, maybe you can talk about that. Maybe you can talk about the training. See, because you are, I would say you are really developed. Like, I would say you have this, this passion, this openness, this curiosity, obviously we call it above the line, like this consciousness to where you, you want to work on these things. Uh, But I would say you're progressive that way. And I could totally be talking out of my butt and just making overarching generalities. Um, But I feel like I've spoken to you enough to where and know enough about you to where this is something that this consciousness has been something that you've actively sought out and worked on. Is, is that something that is kind of like, um, you know, standard um, for what you have seen? And I'm wondering if, if that sort of um, coaching, like, are there folks, are there like police coaches? You know what I no, mean? No, but there probably should be. Um, we have what's called peer support. Most, most departments have what they call peer support where if you, but usually that's for a person who's gone through a traumatic thing or is really like really struggling, um, after a major incident, um, 
for example, like for us, we go through peer support required anytime that in, a, in like in a negotiation situation, we go through peer support. If it didn't go well, if, if the person like say they were suicidal and they ended their life, we are going to, and we were really invested and we were there for like hours talking to this person. And then they still decided to end their life. We're, we're going to go through peer support. Um, everything that I've experienced for my growth has come outside of law enforcement. So it's come from me going to therapy. It's come from me engaging in personal development and growth and reading and learning and going to conferences. And it's come from that desire yes. for me to grow. Um, I would say there's a really great, there's a great guy. His name is Dr. Um, and it's offered. There are, there are moments, there are moments that it's offered. So there's a guy named Dr. Gil Martin who wrote a book called emotional survival for law enforcement. And I happened to get to hear him speak before I went into law enforcement. And then about five years into law enforcement, <laughs> I realized I had not applied much of what he had taught and I, it was jacking me up. I mean, where I was coming home, where, where I was, where it was dealing with me and affecting me, where the job was affecting me was actually not at work, um, except for one experience. And I'll, and I don't mind sharing it, but, um, it was, it, it was affecting me at home. I mean, when I, when I made a choice to get healthy, it started with my physical and then I started pursuing more growth and more growth and more growth. And it was my son who, and I share this story all the time, Jamil, but it was my son my high school, well, he's in high school now. I mean, he was 13 at the time. He said, dad, I'm so glad you did this. I thought he meant I lost weight because I'd lost weight. And I said, well, thanks. Cause I do look pretty good. And, and he said, no, I'm glad you got better. Cause I'm not scared to mess up in mm. front of you anymore. Yeah. Imagine having your son say it. And I immediately, for me, I recognized it was a toll that this job takes on you. And it does take that toll on you. And I know we signed up for, I try never to make, like, I don't want it to be an excuse. I signed up for it. I know what I signed up for. There is no, any, any cop who tells you they didn't know what they were getting into. They're not working for a good department because every department puts you through a massive background check. They put you through a massive psychological evaluation and your whole academy is spent telling you what you signed up for. Right? So, so I know I signed up for it. It didn't change that. So I had to go get help outside of it. And, um, but, but there are, there are people outside that do it, but does the average police officer go pursue that growth? No, I don't think so. Should, should it be mandatory? I believe so. But you and I both I know, do too. but, but you know, do we know what we both know? Cause you coach people all the time. Only people who are ready. Right, they and, gotta want yeah. You. Only people who are ready will. And, and, and it does take a certain personality. Uh, it takes a certain person to become a law enforcement officer because you do have to carry a lot. So there's a lot of people coming into this that are pretty tough already. Um, and, and because you, you see things you can't unsee, you're at places you can't not go to. You're running in when everybody's running out. That takes a certain person. And um, some of it's heroic and some of it's just kind of crazy. I, I don't know that, like it's not, it's not all the, if you wanted to be just be a hero, you could be a firefighter. So you gotta be kind of a, like gotta have both if you wanna be in law enforcement. And, and, um, so I don't, I think it should be mandatory. I love that it's mandatory for the, for my hostage negotiation team that I'm on. I love that because I work with these other people and I'm like, we got to make sure you stay healthy. So we need to go to this, but, but I agree with you 100% that there should be something like that. There really should, that there should be a place. That I would love, I would love to be that coach me too me you too. know what i mean like i i'm i'm literally writing frantically as you are talking i cannot imagine that just seems logical to me that that would be something that's implemented right especially in this in this environment right. like i cannot imagine my whole life has changed once i decided to engage and personal development. Oh yeah. I mean, do everything. I graduated college with honors. It taught me nothing, even close to what I've learned through developing yeah. myself and going to seminars and all the things that you have done. Yeah. Even that's how we're having this conversation right now, which I'm sure we'll have many, many more. Yeah. Um, but. Well, let me ask um, you this. I mean, think about this. Think about okay, this. Okay, sure. Not to keep, we're now we're harping on something that we both agree on. But <laughs> you, you, the, the term, the word I would, I would give to what you've experienced and now what you do that, that you carry around that little bit of um, that skepticism 
little bit of like, uh Oh, what's this person going to say once they have one more drink, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would call it, in my world, we would call it hypervigilance. Okay. So you have hypervigilance, like you're like, Oh, I'm aware. I'm super aware of what's going on around me. And the difference is you've come by that through just bad experiences, right? Through a lot, not just, but through a lot of bad experiences, through a lot of things you've seen that were not, not positive. They're, you know, we are trained to be hypervigilant every moment of every hour of every shift because being anything but hypervigilant will get you killed. So I do notice the guy who, when I drive, he pops up and he turns. I, I don't necessarily go, oh, I got to stop him. I wonder, is this the dude who's going to pull a gun out on me? I do notice if a person does, if a person starts reaching around in their, in their, um, glove box when I'm walking up to their, to their door of a, of a traffic stop, because my assumption is there's a gun in there. I don't automatically, I'm not been trained to assume that they're reaching for their registration. I have to assume the opposite because the one time I'm wrong is the time I get killed. So we're trained to be hypervigilant all the time. If you don't have a process by which to detoxify that, because that is, that is, that is stress, Right. It's just ongoing stress and stress is toxic. If you don't have a a process by which to detox at the end of a shift or at the end of a, of a deployment, which is a full week of shifts, then you're taking that with you everywhere and you're living with that all the time. And it's going to build up until eventually it either destroys you, your family, or you do something really stupid on the job. And, Mm -hmm. and I do agree. Like that's, Hypervigilance is is essential to survive on the job and completely can be destructive to your personal, your family, mm-hmm. and the actual job you've been trained to be hypervigilant on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Wow. so I agree with you. So, so what's interesting is we're we're up at the hour, yeah. but I don't think we got into like any any of the questions that we wrote down. <laughs> Because there's so much, there's so much more that I know are on the minds and hearts of people, you know, uh, when, I mean, so many, there's elephants that's in a room, there's this whole racism thing, um, there's uh, so much more to come. I think it'd kind of be good if we just do this weekly. Yeah, I'm down. Maybe about the same time and, you know, see see kind of where it takes us i i'm i'm learning so much i to be honest with you the feeling i'm getting is that there's some sort of book on the other side of this or some sort of um something to where because even now i'm like my whole thing dude i was up at three o'clock and amanda turns on me she goes why are you up and i'm up because i gotta figure out how to make this better yeah that's why and so I'm like, I have to, that's just how I am. Like once I set my mind on, I have to freaking, I got to put this puzzle together. And, and even today I'm like, oh my gosh, like how, how it can't be that difficult to have. I don't even know what it would be called, but like, like, I don't know. I don't know the proper word, but like police coaches, like I'll right. be the first guy, like, put me in there. I'll spend, I'll spend a large amount of my time. Hell, I'll give them my book, like just right. read this and like, we'll all be good. And you no, know, but so now I'm just like, I'm thinking about it, but I think some really cool stuff will come out of this. Yeah. I, I hope so. I, you know, and I would say if we're going to, I keep seeing people are going, yes, do this again. I see that in the chats in here. And I don't know what's going on in Facebook. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of scared to look at what's going on in Facebook, but, um, but I would say, I think if we're going to do it again, Jamil, I'd love to hear what other people have to questions they have. And, and just not that we're like, just that they can throw it in and let us know. Cause maybe, maybe there's something that you and I are sure. missing. And, um, and I think it'd be so good. Um, cause I, my biggest fear, it really is because you said the four year cycle, I have seen it happen. I've not, I've been on law enforcement in, in, in this world for almost a decade. And this is the second major, major things in my town, in my town where I work, um, that has led to, and it's gotten progressively, it's be, it's gotten more noticed, but it's also gotten progressively violent. And I wonder what, after the, 
after the screw you hour is over, are we going to keep having the conversation? Because if mm-hmm. not, we're just going to get back to another explosion. And I think the explosion gets our attention and I, my, I have my attention, but I actually didn't. So what do I do with that? And I want to, I don't want the conversation to end. Sure. Um, as, yeah, a, as a cop, as a white dude, as a white cop, I don't want the conversation to end. And, and because mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to change. And if, if it doesn't change, then my son who still wants to be a cop, he's going to be dealing with this mm-hmm. going, well, what do we need to do? He's going to be doing the same thing. Cause I think he's got a lot of his dad's heart and he's going to be like, well, I wanted to be, a di- I want it to be different. That's why I'm here. And your son is going to be dealing with the same things if we don't actually continue to have conversations. So I'm all about it. We can do it again. Yeah. Me too. I love the idea of the questions too, because if I'm just being honest and we have been, um, <laughs> you know, I, I feel myself kind of skating around Me too. some, some, some questions too. And I think just having these guys just say, what, what's up, ask this, you know, and, and give honest opinions about it. I think it would be kind of cool. And it forces at least me to, um, you know, talk about absolutely some some other things that yeah so anyway so i guess next next week you guys you guys force us to ask the the hard stuff and yeah. to have conversations about it so maybe uh maybe uh just i i guess maybe well uh, i can give you a thing what we can do yeah we can do it here and also i can give you a thing that they yeah. can actually they can actually put some questions and we'll have them in earlier if you want so we can do that and we can post that too oh very cool yeah i'll do yeah that. let's do that well man i guess episode one Episode one is done. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's talk. If you want to be a part of the conversation, go to negotiatingforlife.com right now. Give us your question. Give us your topic. And hey, subscribe to the podcast because there's more where this came from. 